Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters from their humble folkloric beginnings to their modern-day incarnations. And today, we have a full house uh, with uh, myself, Dave. How you doing? I'm here, and it's good to be back. (laughs) And Cameron. How are you? Hi. Uh, I'm doing okay. Work's done for the year for me, and I'm just waiting to get my toe cut open to finish off with the, the terrible genetics my father has passed on to me. Ah, um, uh, bad foot genes. <laughs> I know. Bad yes. foot slash leg genes. I am well-versed yep. in, in those fun uh, yeah. maladies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been living that life the last six months, and I'm ready for surgical correction on monday hooray <laughs> not plastic uh, surgeon though which is relevant <laughs> relevant yes for mm, formally relevant i suppose mm. uh yes plastic surgery you say Segway. Mm. i i say in response uh, <laughs> yes we are discussing the uh Two, uh, not two, no, not nowhere <laughs> close to the twos. The 1992 uh, uh, black comedy uh, Death Becomes Her, starring Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, and Bruce Willis. Uh, oh, um, mm, strike the end, and uh, Isabella Rossellini. Uh, mm. The uh, comedy, the black comedy about horrible people who gain immortality uh, thanks to a, a what I have now in my headcanon determined uh, is some kind of Lovecraftian god worf- worshiper. Uh, mm, <laughs> and mm. uh, and uh, because they are terrible people. Because very, they are yes, terrible. very cult of Dagon. The, mm. the, the, I mean, I mean, I when... when I think about the potion. I'm like, yeah, they just learned it from like some elder god and make it, and that's that's <laughs> that's her scheme. She just makes Ooh. immortals. Um, yes. Uh, so this is a film that I've been wanting to revisit uh, for a while uh, because I um, uh, because I because I was a strange child. Uh, as I have mentioned <laughs> multiple times and demonstrated multiple times with my film selections for the the show, uh, I watched this movie quite a bit on HBO as a child and uh, remember thoroughly enjoying it. So I wanted to have a roundtable discussion about it with uh, with everyone here because hey, guess what? Um, there's some, uh, there's immortality, there's body horror, there's, uh, all sorts of stuff going on in this movie, in this dumb camp movie about terrible people. Uh, so I guess we should, uh, uh, kick it off. Uh, uh, it was, uh, as I mentioned, uh, starring Goldie Hawn, uh, Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, uh, reminding me that, oh, yes, that's right. That once upon a time, it seemed like Bruce Willis enjoyed acting uh, and was good <laughs> at it. Um, mm. 
uh, which which I miss. I mourn. I mourn for for the days of of Bruce Willis trying uh, for a paycheck. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, once again, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn need no introduction. If you are in my and Dave's age bracket, uh, they are very <laughs> familiar faces, especially Meryl Streep, because she continues to uh, seemingly uh, generate Oscars. Uh, out of thin air, uh, yeah. like Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Actually, she just sits at a spinning wheel, throws straw into it, and Oscars pop out. Um, uh, and was directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, who uh, people may know from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, another one of my favorite movies that also uh, uh, is also kind of a horror movie, too. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, music by Robert Silvestri, who worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, did the theme for Back to the Future. Uh, very uh, a big, a big uh, uh, composer. Um, oh yes, and probably w- with the with the younger set, uh, the composer of the uh, of, uh, very first Avengers theme. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that I wanted to, uh, aside from the movie, look at most of all is I actually remember the special effects for this film holding up mm. quite a bit. And this movie will be 30 years old uh, <laughs> oh, uh, next year. So uh, I wanted to uh, know if my memories of these special effects were uh, just memories or if they did, in fact, hold up. Um, but let's get started. Uh, it is 1978 in New York, and we pan down from a rainy New York skyline, uh, to a soundstage (laughs) theater. Uh, I love it. It's, once again, it is a, uh, it, there is a very specific look to, uh, the movies that were made, uh, during this time. And uh, we pan to a theater, uh, putting on a production of Songbird by uh, Helen Sharp, uh, Meryl Streep. Uh, that seems to uh, that is a uh, incredibly lavish, tacky uh, Broadway production. Um, uh, Cameron, were you expecting mm. this movie to start off with a musical by Meryl Streep? <laughs> Not necessarily, but it helps set the tone very quickly. Um, you know, a, a bit absurdist and a bit vainglorious and everything. And I mean, you know, it's nice. It's familiar territory for me. I did a lot of musicals in school and, and stuff like that. Um, and I just, I just like the contrast of it. The the shot literally starts with people storming out of the theaters, like what a terrible idea, Gulord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we shoot in, and there's like one person actually enjoying this obviously very trashy musical. Yes, uh, very Starlight Express. There are a number of you that have absolutely no idea what that is. Just know that it is cats adjacent, and set your expectation at that. Um, <laughs> uh, the um, uh, the only person enjoying it is one Ernest Menville, 
uh, played by Bruce Willis, uh, looking deliciously 70s with his uh, terrible <laughs> glasses and his mm-hmm. uh, and his mustache. And really, the 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 era costuming to a, to an extent is kind of great in this movie because he looks mm. like 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 70s garbage like all the way uh and he is enthralled with madeline however who uh the person who is not enthralled with madeline would be (laughs) uh helen uh helen sharp uh played by our uh uh the illustrious miss han um also looking very 70s um And and uh, terribly worried about uh, uh, Madeline. Uh, this is uh, the first indication that all of these people are bad um, right from the beginning. Um, uh, Madeline is, as you said, vainglorious. Uh, uh, Ernest is uh, really just like wishy-washy and not emotionally there for... For anyone, he's really kind of just a, um, you know, a push broom. He's, he, he does whatever anyone... <laughs> yes, with that broom handle mustache. Yes. Yeah, uh, perfect. Mm. Uh, and and Helen is, is insecure and also, like, weirdly conniving. Um, it's... Uh, it's made clear from the beginning that these aren't characters per se they're like uh concepts uh cuz they are so broad everything in this movie is very big broad and not realistic in the slightest um and i think uh that works to the film service because humanizing uh these characters i think would um kind of diminish the effect um uh, after the production uh Ernest uh fawns over Madeline uh Helen is uh appropriately worried uh as illustrated by the use of her ringing a what uh um handkerchief, so that is a handkerchief. in her yeah in mm. her hands for multiple scenes until her hands bleed uh, because yes, surprise, uh, um, Helen uh, is convinced that Madeline steals all of her men, uh, and, uh, used this introduction as a test for Ernest, which is gross, um, and, uh, surprise, surprise, Ernest, uh, dumps, uh, Helen and marries Madeline. Uh, cut to seven years later. And uh, Helen uh, is uh, a shut-in who has uh, uh, gained a um, really uh, tacky fat suit um, and yes. eats Duncan Hines frosting straight out of the uh, that was out of the is. can. Yes, that was my, just okay. <laughs> that, that's better than what my brain had, which is she had a cupboard full of cream cheese that was not refrigerated in any way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Duncan Hines, to be perfectly honest, Duncan Hines frosting is uh, essentially cream cheese that is oh, shelf stable. Okay. So okay. you you were you were partially right. 
Um, she has 5,000 cats, um, uh, because that is the trope, even in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, spends her days uh, not paying rent and watching uh, Madeline be murdered in films. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, I will say the fact that they actually filmed like this scene, this fake scene from this fake movie, uh, just so they could like transfer it to a, a VHS and, and have her replay it over and over mm. is kind of a really fantastic commitment, uh, yeah. to, to the film because, you know, once again, we th- there was no compositing this from a computer onto a screen. <laughs> it was yeah. an actual VHS. Uh, she is evicted and sent to uh, an institution? Question mark? Um, yeah. That's uh, probably one of the worst parts of the film. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't it's, even know if she's sent there. It seemed like it's it's a situation where she may have had to check in or voluntarily check herself in, just given the way that she's being treated there. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not great. It's actually bad. Uh, to, um, you know. Uh, but uh, and not to excuse it, but it is. Very on par with uh, mental health uh, uh, depictions in the 90s. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that's... It's on point for the genre. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, it reminds me of the... Uh, um, of parts of the... Man, and this is the movie that I actually haven't seen, but I've seen bits and pieces of it, of the uh, uh, Roseanne Barr uh, vehicle, She-Devil... Like I believe oh, that yeah. that's that's set. It, it's very standard for that era of of mm-hmm. filmmaking. Um, however, her uh, her group therapist uh, harangues her uh, for not losing weight, which you uh, and yeah. also um, uh, constantly focusing on Madeline. Uh, and uh, says the words, you need to eliminate, and Helen just stops paying attention after that and decides, yes, I will just kill Madeline. Uh, and <laughs> then we cut to another 17 years later. Uh, uh, Madeline and Ernest now live in Beverly Hills uh, in a lavish mansion. Uh, Madeline older and vainer than ever um uh sleeps <laughs> basically sleeps in a sarcophagus um, <laughs> of 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 tape and and towels uh to lift her face um i forgot how um uh, that this movie is actually shot uh, really really well there are a lot of really interesting uh, shots because uh, when Madeline's introduced, um, her her headrest for her bed is a mirror, so you get like the shot of her housekeeper coming in, and I'm like, oh, mm. that it it looked like she was walking in behind her, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it's actually just her reflection in the in the mirror. 
<laughs> Madeline uh, is terrible, uh, and Ernest uh, wants a uh, a well renowned uh, surgeon has become plastic surgeon has become um, a mortician because he has. Uh, fallen into alcoholism and now has the shakes really, really bad in his hands, which is a mm. no go for a um, plastic uh, surgeon. <laughs> a, yes, a plastic surgeon. Um, mm. Yeah, so this is where the movie really starts to kick in because uh, Helen invites Ernest and Madeline to a uh, book. Release party because she is an author, and uh, once they arrive, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Helen is uh, gorgeous and uh, is just dressed like Jessica Rabbit. I forget which, yeah, when this movie, <laughs> like, in like what order this and who framed Roger Rabbit came out because Ooh, she is, I think, this came out afterward, okay. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, man, that was uh, that was a real stylistic choice that Robert Zemeckis <laughs> wanted to go with, isn't it? Um, but yeah, um, she uh, uh, um, uh, greets Madeline, uh, who is uh, horrified that uh, Helen now looks better than her. Uh, and uh, says that she never blamed her for anything that happened with him, with her and Ernest, only to uh, reverse that with Ernest. Um, and uh, this is where Madeline's life begins to, like, spiral. Like, she can't stand the fact that uh, Helen looks better than her. Uh, she's been having mm. an affair with Ernest and goes to uh, to rendezvous with him. Uh, there's some ageism where she he he's told she's told that it's it's embarrassing to be seen with her in public because she is so old. Uh, punctuated with an instant um, deluge of a thunderstorm. Um, mm. Oh. I suppose we um, skipped over the uh, beauty treatment uh, scene where <laughs> yes. Madeline goes uh, to uh, what was the what was the lawnmower man machine where they did, was it like uh, like plasma? It was plasma like plasma infusion. Yeah, this plasma infusion. Yeah, or diffusion. Yeah, probably diffusion. Not meant to do. Yeah, and this is like the plasma recycling. Yeah, it just takes it out. It's like a dialysis machine. It takes it out, cleans it, and puts it back in. And you can only do it every six months. Yeah, at the at the like maximum. Like it should not be done less than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, like, you were here three weeks ago. It's like, that's yeah. really close to six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's no. practically the same. Yeah. And, and then, as a as a side note, um, Roger Rabbit, who read Roger Rabbit, was done in 88, but there is apparently a remake, or not a sequel, um, slated for next year. So that didn't need to happen, ever. Oh, uh, particularly because there's no Bob Hoskins 
Um, that's true. Yeah. Mm. And they're they're I think they're considering doing the whole digital. I I am not on board with that. Just like. Oh, you yeah. mean the digital it's, necromancy? You're not happy yeah, with the digital necromancy? No, <laughs> although on a nostalgic note, and it's still monster-related, the mm. Ghostbusters mm. Afterlife is fantastic, and they handle oh, they handle good. Harold Ramis um, being in the film still like in the most respectable way you you could do. Yeah, uh, I think so. Okay. Uh, I do recommend that one. It's a it's an Thanks. excellent capstone to ghostbusters and then you could continue on if you wanted but it could just leave it there and it's also fine uh that mm. one does give that sense of nostalgia without just camping on it mm-hmm. yeah like it has the same vibe as ghostbusters one and two and then just kind of still is free to do a little bit of its own thing but that's it's that's another realm entirely that's uh well that's good to hear. Uh I'm actually kind of happy to hear that. Um yeah, I mean I like Ghostbusters. I'm not a Ghostbusters fanatic, but I I I'm always glad to hear that a new Ghostbusters related thing is good. That makes me happy in my heart yeah. place. Um <laughs> Uh, but who isn't happy in their heart place is literally everybody in this film. Uh, Madeline uh, uh, desperately wanting to have this plasma rejuvenation therapy, which I will admit I kind of, there is um, like a thematic through line that we'll get to later because when they show the room uh, with the machine, (laughs) the lawnmower Mm. man, (laughs) <laughs> centrifuge machine i'm like yeah. oh that's that's literally like Chekhov's gun to 45 minutes later in this film <laughs> um uh she is given uh a, a, a card by the uh the owner of the clinic uh to uh Liesel van uh, dorn van yeah Ru- ruman van lisa yes Lisa von Ruman, uh, that hey, you wanna you wanna be young? You just look up Lisa, uh, uh, Lisa. Uh, uh, here's her card. Uh, all the information is just in her name. Uh, there's no ad- <laughs> I love that there's no address uh, <laughs> because it literally means that this person's impossible to find, especially in the nineties. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and, uh, Madeline instantly tears it up because what is, what does he know? Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, Helen arrives at, uh, Madeline and Ernest's home to, uh, seduce him and convince him to just murder his wife. Uh, we get a, um... We get uh, a really great montage planning sequence of of Madeline. Like, we'll get Madeline to invite me to get dinner because I'm leaving town, and you'll take one of each wine glass and uh, and uh, and apply a, 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 a narcotic to it. And then when she's unconscious, uh, and meanwhile, this is all being acted out by by the by the actors and then afterwards we will uh 
will put her in their car and, you know, make it look like she's been drinking. And there's just a pile of vodka, like Stoli <laughs> bottles in the passenger side. Um, yep. I didn't, I had forgotten that <laughs> and there was she's like pouring it all over like the hood of the car. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the dash. <laughs> and, and they're wearing um, da- dapper, like these white, uh, tuxedo like the suits yeah yeah mm. she's like in a dr- white dress and he's in like a very smart very classy looking tuxedo to be perfectly honest yeah no everything looks for- really nice um and if you're gonna do then, crimes if you <laughs> be dressed to the nines <laughs> uh <laughs> um and uh, you know, just uh, put her foot on the on the accelerator and send it off of the cliff. Um, and I'd forgotten there was a car explosion in this film. Mm. Um, it yeah. goes off of Mulholland. It's so weird. So that's also the other thing about it is because because I'm a California native, LA native. Um, all these locations, except for like the private properties, are really familiar to me. So I'm like, oh yeah, I know where that overlook of on Mulholland Drive actually is. Um, but yeah, send her car over. Uh, it explodes like the moment it touches anything on the cliff face, which was really funny to me. Uh, and mm. then the coroners are like, well, she was clearly drunk and they lift up like this scarred, uh, not scarred, uh, charred skeleton hand, smoldering mm. skeleton hand that is still <laughs> gripping like a vodka bottle. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they make the plan to, to murder, murder, and then they can finally be happy together and free. Uh, uh, so Madeline, having had her lover's spat with her, uh, um, her boy toy uh, goes to Liesel's, uh, and it's weird. She lives in a giant um, horror mansion, uh, like Castle, uh, which feels <laughs> yeah. really appropriate for Beverly Hills, actually, kind of, if you've actually ever been in Beverly Hills. It looks <laughs> like a, a, a place that could uh, technically exist there. Um, yeah. She has a bunch of pro wrestlers as her bodyguard, um, she uh, clearly psychically controls uh, 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 Doberman Pinchers. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> well, they do have like little beeping collars on. So, oh, is that is that how the prob- doors open? Probably, <laughs> maybe. It's they don't. I mean, you can probably bother explaining. You can, a, <laughs> you, can, you can teach a dog to use an elevator. That yes. Happens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, the dogs have taken the potion. Oh man! I don't get no. eternal life and sentience. <laughs> uh, Liesel explains, "Hey, I can make you young forever if you just drink this potion. That this elaborately packaged pro- potion, which oh, just I kind love of, the potion package. It's, it's so real. Good. It's really good and very reminiscent of like." 90s perfume packaging like I, I i literally just kept thinking of like elizabeth taylor obsession like yeah open these five layers of packing material so you have like this one ounce container of perfume um, yes. yeah. and the ornamental dagger 
Yes, yeah. the yes, the ornamental dagger, uh, um, which is part of the packaging. <laughs> so you mm. can do so you can do your finger stab sales pitch. Um, there's <laughs> like an Avon Avon calling aspect to it too, I guess, with that, uh, uh, which she does, and then she uses a drop of the magical unexplained potion uh, to revitalize uh, Madeline's one good, hand. One good hand. Which is a theme and actually, once again, is a Chekhov's gun for the end of this movie. Um, uh, uh, Madeline asks how much, uh, is immediately uh, like, no, not going to pay that uh, until she sees the results uh, with her hand, uh, immediately pays it and drinks it and uh, de-ages and man, like for... 1992 this the the d the Meryl Streep de-aging effect um is really mm. good. I think it yeah. looks really good actually. Um so you uh and everything else tightens up. That's uh <laughs> it's all about the <laughs> tight buns and tight bust. That's all you need yep. now you're younger. Yep. Uh and thin waist uh that, lift everything. Yeah, lift. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, she, uh, now youthful returns home. Uh, Ernest has been drinking again because that's literally his only personality trait. Um, <laughs> uh, and has had, uh, uh, enough of Madeline and Madeline now young, uh, and vibrant his, uh, harangues. Uh, Ernest, uh, says some really terrible things about him. Uh, and so he proceeds to uh, strangle her on the edge of the giant marble staircase that leads to the second floor of their house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is where the movie takes the takes the big turn. Uh, uh, Cameron, uh, yeah. would would you care to explain this next sequence and then explain your uh, your uh, your uh, reaction to said sequence? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, realizing that he should probably, you know, stop assaulting his wife, uh, he lets go of her, and, um, we get a really Looney Tunes hovering on the edge moment, because, like, the, um, the arch of her high heels is sort of lodged on the edge of the top stair, and she can't pull herself back up, but she's not quite falling because of the heel itself, um, and then, you know asks for help, and then as he's about to reach and pull her up, uh, he's obviously not doing it fast enough for her, and she asks a little less pleasantly, and he just sort of very, very slowly just pokes her with a single finger to knock her all the way downstairs. Um, hey, uh, things you learn when you study forensic biology, don't fall downstairs. It's really bad for you. This is relatively realistic for stone steps going down that far, honestly. It's not that far off. Um, a, a yeah. little cleaner. Yeah, uh, yes. But, but the overall injuries, pretty, pretty, pretty accurate, honestly, for falling <laughs> down like a, like what, a 10 meter marble staircase? Yeah, yeah. Um, you mean when she falls down one. the stair... Yeah, when yeah, she falls... <laughs> when she falls down the stairs for seven years... <laughs> uh, yeah, she ends up um, in what I believe is the medical term is a pretzel. 
Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, she's broken a bunch of bones, obviously, and sort of dislocated basically everything else and is all twisted up. Uh, in particular, her head is on backwards at this point. Um, and uh, Ernest is very distraught, uh, which, yeah, understandable, did just kill his wife right up instead of following the, the seven-step alcohol car plan. Uh, and so rushes to the phone to call Helen uh, and uh, <laughs> just lays it all bare, which, you know, the her reaction is, what part of the plan did you not understand? We went over it uh, three times. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and have you called the police? No. Uh, and you called me first. If they check the records, they, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going through the ramifications of essentially what he's done. And in the background, we see um, Madeline's body sort of twitching a little, flopping a little, and then eventually begin pulling itself back into a roughly, uh, roughly human form again. Um and uh yeah just as just as Ellis says okay so so we'll we'll say i was on the phone with you and i heard her fall down the stairs and then i called the cops and that'll explain the phone records um <laughs> madeline just walks up behind him head still turned backwards so this this is really fun cuz she um she spends most of the scene walking very awkwardly like uh well done on the actor there essentially walking backwards um <laughs> This this must have been held to show. Was, uh, I was checking in the um production notes on the Wikipedia page. It's a mix of an animatronic body, CG skin to get the neck looking right, and then you know Meryl Streep herself doing a good job stumbling around and <laughs> acting the character. Um, yeah, Madeline just walks up right behind him and <laughs> asks to use the phone because she needs to call nine one one because her husband just pushed her down the stairs and assaulted her. <laughs> Yes. Um, we get it's such a good scene. There's like you know he's obviously backing away in absolute terror, as one does. Um, and it's it's the it's for me it's the it's the like forty five seconds to a minute before he can sort of clearly point out to her that she needs to look at herself <laughs> before she continues talking about calling nine one one and. Uh, you know, she looks there. He's like, "I can see my ass." Um, <laughs> a bit juvenile, but it's it's fun. Um, and really, the practical effects are quite good. Um, the the twisted neck is really horrible. Yeah, um, it's bad. It's it's it's, it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um man, and then she's, he's. <laughs> She tells him to fix it. He's like, I don't, I wouldn't know where to start. He's like, I'll just do it myself. And does like the full, it's like spinning a top almost and spins yep. her neck back around the right way, which of course gets her facing the right way. But there's that slight degree of realism, which turns this from just com like if this was plain comedy, she would have spun the head and everything would have been fixed. But because we've got that little bit of realism to give it that big body horror dump into it, um, she spins the head background, and now there's like three or four vertebrae that are laid over her collarbone and sort of <laughs> slightly protruding the skin upwards. Yep. Uh, and it's it's a great effect, and it's really disturbing to look at. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. And yeah, I think the fact I think the fact that this is it, it that it's not gory that they decided that hey, mm. we're going to keep it in this realm of like yeah, it's, it's what's happening is still like super horrific and awful and very very disturbing and gross, but we don't make it bloody keeps it from tipping over into like that like gross out yeah. It's not striking notes of the reanimator. It's still in Looney Tunes land. Exactly. Mm. But, you uh, know, adult and a little mm. bit sickening, as opposed to just, haha, someone got hit in the head with a mallet and turned into a thin 2D object. Yeah, they save that for later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do, actually. <laughs> um... Uh. Uh, Madeline's like, I-, I think I need a doctor. <laughs> and Ernest agrees. Uh, they go to the Beverly Hills Hospital. He crashes into an ambulance. Um, oh, I do want to go back uh, to when mm. he's on the phone with Helen because I don't know why. I thought this was, like, the funniest thing. Uh, actually, it might be because she's been in, like, this glamorous, in glamorous outfits this entire time. But when she's mm. on the phone with them, she's just wearing, like, a Nike, a Nike sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> but she still yeah. has her hair done and the full makeup on. And I'm just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> okay. You gotta keep up appearances. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that visual like hit me so hard rewatching it last night. But I'm like, that's. I think that's really funny, and I can't explain mm. why. Um, yeah, uh, she's uh, taken to the hospital. The doctor examines her. Uh, Ernest says she had an accident. Uh, she says I accidentally fell down the stairs. Um, <laughs> she's wearing like a giant coat like a giant flasher overcoat which is great Mm -hmm. for the neck reveal and the doctor's like huh uh you're not in any pain like there's no and and (laughs) proceeds to test her wrist until he like (laughs) folds her her wrist backwards completely Uh, and he's like hmm uh all right uh, and pulls out the thermometer. Is like, hmm, okay, that's odd. And he's like, Yo, so you mentioned that there's uh, that there's some discomfort with your neck. And she pulls down the side of the coat to, so we can see the vertebrae protrusions. And he's like, oh, jeez. <laughs> um, uh, uh, takes his stethoscope, uh, searches for a heartbeat, can't find one. Throws those in the garbage, grabs a giant pair, a giant stethoscope <laughs> to uh, check again. Um, gets nothing. When, when he's testing with the first stethoscope, uh, he's mm. he's checking, and then he like he's like, huh, and turns the the testing portion yeah and the taps it put on the person yeah and he taps yes. it oh it's yeah that I was that. the doctor this scene is probably my fit like maybe my second favorite oh. of the whole movie it's just done so it's well perfect yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, goes through all the medical options and then sees that Ernest is drinking from a flask says can i just 
have a sip. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, I've got to go get a second opinion. I, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, he won't be back. Know, he's actually he's not going to be back. No. Yeah. He's. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So the doctor's rushed out, uh, and he's laid out all the evidence that he discovered, you know, couldn't find a heartbeat. Cord body temperatures dropped below 80 degrees Fahrenheit as well, which is pretty bad. Um, that, that's really cold. Um, you know, you've got uh, your wrists fractured in three places. You've got two vertebrae out of place. Um, and the, you know, Ernest and um, Madeline are sort of going over there. It's like, oh my God, I'm dead. And it's like, Ernest is kind of interested and excited because it's like you're you you're disobeying all no natural laws it's like i am yeah yeah um like, which laws have i broken all of them all of them, all of them. uh it's, it's a bit much for her and she faints um <laughs> just falls back on the bed and it's like okay i've got to go get that doctor I've got to get through it rushes out and um can't find any doctors which is this this part of the scene is, I think, my favorite because running around the emergency section of a hospital desperately looking for a doctor, any doctor, anywhere, just can't find all the stuff and finds them all crowded in one room trying to resuscitate the doctor who just examined his wife. And yeah, because, he gave himself you know, a the heart attack. Giving him a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's showing it's showing like other like other people being ignored because the doctors are gone. So mm. there's like the yes. there's a yeah. guy that's like rubbing it. He, he was doing oh, tennis or something and rubbing tennis. his elbow, yeah. but his knees are both like skin. Like he fell on the court oh, hard. Yeah. yeah. And he's like rubbing I'm his rubbing elbow like, ow, but his <laughs> knees are just torn open. And it's like, oh, that's. Yeah. The, the, because everything else has been so clean. Like, this is the yeah. first, like, mm. oh, a bloody thing. And you're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Ernest, realizing the doctor will be of no help, runs back to the room Madeline is in to find a nurse clearing up the room. It's like, where's my wife? I'm very sorry. This This must be hard. Because uh, obviously, you know, she's medically speaking dead and lying there unconscious is obviously <laughs> going to exactly resemble a corpse. So some staff did manage to come in and just clean her up and take her <laughs> off to the morgue. And um, also really like just this little interaction. It's very fun. I love when he's like, the morgue, she's going to be furious. <laughs> she's furious. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And and then the set design for the morgue is like, the, yep, this is this is a fancy place. It's like all marble. Yeah. Yeah. Going. Yeah. Nah, that's a lot of money to load into a place that nobody's going to go except for <laughs> like a few staff. Oh yeah. Beverly Hills, though. Not like that. <laughs> yeah. It looks more like what you would see if you're going to, uh, um, well more of where he was working in like a the mortuary mm, like a theater, funeral home oh yeah. yeah yeah funeral home would it be something where like the family would stuff. see and be like oh feel better that you're in a nice in, place in, temporarily interred mm. in a super fan like a ritzy day spa looking 
<laughs> morgue mm. place. But it's a morgue. Um, yeah. We get the creepy floating nuns, which I had completely and utterly forgotten about. And I love mm. love it because yep. it is such a bizarre touch that is never, like, actually no addressed whatsoever. Yep. I, ju- I just love it. I just love that it's I... just like... <laughs> Yeah, I choose to believe they all had Heelys on and were just gliding along. <laughs> oh, Cameron, Heelys hadn't been invented in 1992. Uh, but rollerblades had. Roll- yes. True, rollerblades. So that, that's what I choose. kinds of things. That's what I choose <laughs> to believe, that they were actually nuns on rollerblades, because it was L.A. in the early 90s, and yes. everyone was on rollerblades. It was the prequel yeah. to Prayer of the Roller Boys. <laughs> uh, Ernest finds Madeline uh, in in a freezer, um, yep. wrapped up. Yep. <laughs> She's like, "This looks like the morgue." Immediately, immediately jerks up. Why am I in the morgue? <laughs> it was so dark. I woke up. Couldn't move. It's actually quite traumatic, honestly. But yeah. Um, like it's, it's it, to be fair, it's a situation that has happened to real living people very right. rarely, where they've been mistaken for you know dead people. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely happened before, but the um, the absurdity of the situation does make this a little more comedy. Um, but you know, they they almost find a bit of common ground here. Yeah, despite he's just happy to have her not not causing a scene in the middle of all of that and. Um, he sort of comes to the conclusion that, you know, if you're going to do anything, you've got to do it yourself. And uh, takes her home and begins doing what he does best, um, which is using spray paint. <laughs> yep. To fix people up. Because um, makeup doesn't oh, doesn't man. adhere to dead skin, but uh, I, I the, the acrylic actually, bonding. <laughs> yeah. That was, that, was a, that was a bit just early in the film. I actually really liked because it was like a little bit of humanization for Ernest. Where yeah. it's like, oh, someone's actually asking me about how I do my work. And then them immediately being incredibly offended. Yeah, well, he, like was being, he was being a little he... too honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can just imagine, like, I'm, I'm sure many morticians don't get people asking questions about how they actually do things and s- seeming to show interest in the actual process. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that, she's uh, expecting, like, uh, mm-hmm. it's high art kind of thing, and he's like, yeah, I yes. went down to the hardware store and got, you know, a couple cans of <laughs> spray paint. And mm. I mean, it comes in, in a variety of skin tones. It's, it's yeah. easy to work with. Like it, he's he he is he's so happy to just be like, yeah, mm. no, this is my revolutionary technique to make people look their best. <laughs> yeah, and she's just like, oh, I I need to go. I need that. Mm. She doesn't even monster. say she. He's just so caught up in explaining it when he turns, she's just gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, so oh. it it should be noted this is the uh, first Chekhov's gun, which is he's embalmed mm. Madeline. So all yes. of that, all of that plasma tubing and plasma separation, uh, she <laughs> she finally got it. She got what she wanted, and yeah. she didn't have to wait six months. Um, exactly. He's spray painting her while she's reading a magazine. <laughs> That's a great visual. Um, as he's like pulling off a glove and like 
tapping it and like looking at it between his fingers and he's like no the color's mm. not right <laughs> trying yeah. to do her makeup it's a, it's it's a good scene of a mortician like <laughs> making up the living dead to look living yes. he has to um. paint the highlights in her eyes uh and if yeah. it's not just right it's gonna creep people out <laughs> <laughs> yep which is actually super fair that is mm, hey guess what mm. that's what we call the uncanny valley <laughs> yes yep. well there's no there's no blood flowing into like the little capillaries in your eyes just like they're yeah. just gonna go frosty <clears throat> mm. uh, yeah we get that later when there's definitely no blood flowing in somebody's <laughs> eyes um mm. helen shows up um um like dressed like uh early 90s janet jackson <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, with it's the fashionable cat burglar yes yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah because she like climbs the fence and she almost gets run over with man with the revelation that would have been the revelation oh, later been very rough that would have been <laughs> made this movie very very different um uh she's like Ernest you're not doing anything weird with Madeline with with Madeline's body are you uh, she's just uh, resting upstairs yeah she's not <laughs> resting she's dead <laughs> um Madeline oh, appears man. looking uh better <laughs> than she has mm-hmm, been mm-hmm. Uh, um and uh after after uh, helen has said she's a terrible actress which ca- causes her to uh, gouge wood out of the uh railing of the staircase um uh madeline uh, w- uh walks into another room uh gra- uh, sh- uh shortly follows Followed by Ernest, and we get uh, the one of the best human triple takes I think I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie, where he discovers that one of the shotguns in the shotgun case is missing. Um, mm. I it, like I actually distinctly remember this triple take from like as a kid of being like, "Wow, really? Human beings can actually just do that themselves? Like that's not just something that a cartoon can do." <laughs> That's weird. Mm. Um, and then uh, uh, Madeline proceeds to, <coughs> excuse me, uh, blow a hole through uh, <laughs> through Helen and send her yep. flying into the um, fountain in the uh, courtyard of the mansion. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Bruce Willis lets out one of the best screams ever <laughs> when she does mm-hmm. so, and uh, they then uh, get to work uh, getting her body and uh, disposing of it in Death Valley, uh, only for Helen to rise with a big cartoon shotgun hole <laughs> in her stomach. And, and, um, and the uh, pond water, like, flowing through it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> um all literally all the blood has drained out of her uh and because we're going for uh for gross but not too gross it just kind of looks like Kool-Aid uh, and there are yeah. absolutely zero intestines or spines or, or chunks yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah 
Uh, they quickly discover that, surprise, surprise, they both took the potion <laughs> and <laughs> uh, have a a duel with shovels, um, which, yep. uh, in all honesty, yeah, if you're undead, that's probably one of the worst ways <laughs> to have a fight Ooh. with another undead person. Uh, Ernest, yeah. uh, shell-shocked, <laughs> says, I'm just going to go upstairs and yeah. leaves. <laughs> And starts to pack <laughs> to to go away. Uh, we have a fight. Um, Madeline uh, gets her head knocked backwards uh, in a, another great uh, gross effect. Um, mm. uh, um, Helen. Uh, Madeline tries to spear Helen with uh, oh. the stick, uh, the yeah. the now spearified stick of of the shovel, and it just uh, goes through her, obviously. <laughs> uh, and then they do the thing that they probably should have done uh, years ago, which is actually talk about their problems. <laughs> yes. Why yeah. do they hate each other? Well, it's because Helen thought that Madeline was was cheap and because madeline was angry about that she decided to steal all of helen's uh men um Mm -hmm. there's the excellent follow-up to the spare where where helen (laughs) sits on the couch that the the spear is embedded in and it just slides perfectly through the (laughs) hole while they have their conversation um uh Madeline's neck has been broken so severely that she can no longer keep her head up. Uh she mm. so it keeps flopping over. <laughs> uh and they finally come to an agreement and they bury the hatchet only to accost Ernest uh, with a really great silhouette shot of of, mm. of Helen with the hole in her. And Madeline's like, well, you know, you did such a great job on me. I need a little work, you know, because of the fight. And I promised Helen that you'd help her, too. Come on, Ernest. You've got to do it. Please. (laughs) Um, And uh, the, yeah, uh, punctuated by the really fantastic uh, contacts that they gave. Uh, Goldie Hawn for the scene that mm. are just white because her body oh, is devoid of yes. blood. Um, <laughs> uh, and cut to they they look fine, they're good, mm. and and mm. and Ernest is leaving um, <laughs> because why wouldn't you after all of oh, that? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, he has the whole line of like I I you know I. Uh, I, I'm a man who keeps promises, and I promise to um, uh, love and protect you until we part. And yes, yep, uh, you have died, so I've done my <laughs> part, and now I'm parting. Yep. Yep. Marriage is an old. <laughs> um, uh, they realize, hey, we can't do this ourselves. We don't have any skills, um, so we need Ernest. But Ernest isn't going to live forever. We can't find so, another mortician or a makeup artist, or and oh, there's oh, only no, one no. man who could help us with this problem. 
the best in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, well, we can't we can't <laughs> convince anybody else that this isn't the most insane thing ever. That we're we're True. a couple of zombies that need <laughs> makeup work done on the reg, uh, and he understands and knows it. And we've got him under our thumb because simp. Uh, so <laughs> don't worry. We'll just give him this drink because he loves drinks. In the morning, everyone <laughs> needs to wake up for a, with a Bloody Mary breakfast. <coughs> yeah. Um, yes, which he comically splashes around until there's oh. just a little bit left. And then he says, he looks at the glass. And once again, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit? Because there's the moment where mm. Eddie's like, I'm, I gotta go back to Toontown. Uh, you know what? I don't need this drink. And he throws it in the planter. Um and <laughs> and leaves and they hit him they knock him out with by hitting him with vases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a great little comedy sequence again. This sort of. Uh... Well, he's giving his like departing monologue at the the, the mm. top of the stairs, <laughs> and the whole yes. time you're just waiting for him to like, is he gonna slip and die? <laughs> I mean, he almost does when they knock him out with the vase. They yeah. have to grab him before he falls back. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a lot going on. <laughs> uh, Ernest wakes up in uh, Liesel's, uh elaborate pool uh, that has. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I can never remember what the art piece is called. Uh, creation man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as as a stained glass ceiling, a skylight. Uh, Liesel is is very keen on getting Ernest uh, to, um, you know, drink the potion. Uh, Dave, before you mentioned uh, that you didn't have any idea um, why <laughs> why it was so important to for Ernest to drink it. Um, that's never really explained. I just chalk it up to. Go on. Yeah, she's just so like she's a salesman. <coughs> I get that, but she's like adamant that he drink this thing, and it's there's no, you know, where where her character like everyone else is like so one dimensional. You don't get any. There's no background. She's, you know, the mysterious potion seller. Uh, but th- there's no motivation aside from, like, other people have paid her something. Not always money. Uh, he's hmm. not... She's not selling him it, though. Right. Yeah. Like, like, she's not going, hey, you you need to give me this and I'll give you, you know, give me something... In exchange, there's no talk about that at all. She just does the little her her always the always works pitch of the the finger mm. poke to give you a fresh hand. Uh, it doesn't pan out, and so she starts like f- almost flipping out, going "Take it, you know, drink it," <laughs> uh, and it's just real mm. weird because that's not how her character was presented at any point previous to this of the one time we saw her. Yes, um, and 
I, I would like to present a, a, a headcanon theory for myself, which is given the fact that she like uh, because uh, Ernest makes some some points when he rejects it. He's like, "What what what if I get maimed?" And I'm like, "Yeah, mm. what if yeah, what like <laughs> what?" But what if what if she has a bunch of clients? Like she throws the part her the sp- like her spring party for her clients and i'm like it's statistically improbable that like all of the people that have drank the potion have never suffered some kind of horrible injury so what if she's just trying to enlist Ernest so he's the one that like fixes up the people that she doesn't invite to the party the people that have had um bad ends um like mm. Madeline and Helen like what if he just his his life after he drinks the potion is let, like yeah now you go to this crypt and make sure that this ghoul looks presentable uh, for, for, for the public again yeah it seems um, like that she I mean that would that would be a way to uh, like cement a deal because he's now part of the immortality cult uh, but right. she's also mm. like insanely rich, just <laughs> yes. given the sheer amount of people that have paid her some astronomical costs independently a piece for you know the the, the chance to have that that serum. Uh, it also just seems like that's an awful lot of people. Like that's it's one of the things where it's like here's an exclusive club that everyone's part of. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like vibes of uh um i think it's brian yuzna did um, society which is oh yeah an entire send-up of the rich eating the poor it's bad but also yeah her, mm. if you want a body horror there's your there's your movie <laughs> yep uh i refuse to believe that james gunn wasn't inspired uh by the end of society for the end of slither um, I also refuse <laughs> to believe that he was not inspired by Night of the Creeps for Slither as well. Um, but that is a completely different topic. Uh, yes, Ernest is like, what if I get bored? What if I get lonely? It'll suck having to watch everybody that I know and love die. Man, immortality sounds like a scam. And then, second <laughs> Chekhov's gun, uh, because his... Uh, is it his left or his right hand has been healed uh, with the serum. He grabs the knife and expertly throws it into the light switch and sends the, <laughs> sends the pool into darkness because now he has full faculties over yes. that hand again. And he's been yeah. practicing for a, many, many years throwing yes. scalpels mm. at a bowl mm. at a um, dartboard, which is his only like his prized possession when he's trying to leave. He has a, <laughs> oh, one suitcase full of a little bit of clothes <laughs> and his dartboard. His dartboard. <laughs> his untouched dartboard. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pristine. Or it may, you know, it's it's the the kind that's not going to show a the bristle board where it won't show <laughs> hitting it. But um, the like he, he's obviously been doing this. Probably before when he was, uh, you know, a, a, a capable surgeon, like when he's when he yes. wasn't an alcoholic, mm. and was probably just you know his that's that's his thing. How he like made sure his his hand was always steady, and then it just yeah. over time just devolved into like 
a thing he does and then probably makes himself feel bad <laughs> at the same time as like right. if I could only <laughs> hit the thing I could I could get everything back like I that would show yeah. but you know his everything's so depressing that he just can't stop the the decline and issues that alcoholism brings it's like it's it's the tonic that deadens the nerves, but also just like took the the last vestiges of his you know hopes and dreams along with it. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for bringing us down, Dave, from this <laughs> wacky <laughs> wacky comedy about dead pe- awful dead people. I had to find some kind of spin on this because I was only kind of enjoying watching this movie. It's something right. that I, I, I was 11, I think, when this came out. So young me enjoyed this quite a bit. And I think that in memory, just trying to recall it last time I saw it was probably maybe I watched it again in high school or catch bits of it on TV or something. Uh, and I, I think it's one of those instances where you catch something on HBO or whatever and it's um, – it's in the middle of it or it's at like the highlights always. And you go, oh, yeah, I remember this. And you just didn't actually ever sit down to watch the whole thing again. And this movie is not it's, – it's like 89 minutes. I think it's, it's slightly under uh, an hour and a half or thereabouts. And it it's slow going in the beginning. And it, but the thing is it's not really it's, – it's showing you these relationships and like how they're antagonistic to each other and that um, – uh, Helen and uh, the Mel Madeline Madeline uh, yeah. are they're mm. they're frenemies like they've known yeah. each other for fifty years and they are just there's something about one another that's comfortable mm. like they just keep butting into each other but mm. their their differences. Yeah, their differences don't outweigh whatever it is that they enjoy about each other's presence, right? Because they're they're yeah. they're they're grumpy old menning it, basically. <laughs> That's how, how it kind of reads their their friendship, um, and that's shown through their characters, but all this time like nothing's changed and yes we we understand that they never took the time to sit there and like take a a breather for two seconds and discuss maybe why uh they have a a problem with one another and even after they do Mm -hmm. like it's not enough like they're still just kind of at each other's throats for all eternity and i think that that put me off of the movie it's like that there's no growth for anybody, uh, ex- ex- except for the the doctor, kind of, yeah, yeah. the posthumous posthumous growth. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's not that the gross growth was posthumous, but it's given to the viewer um, through eulogy. So it's a it's a it's a bad case of like telling and not showing. Yeah. So you yes. don't have any attachment to it because you're just being told something was this was cool and you're like but I wanted to see it like you, you didn't show it a little bit other than going see we're showing you someone's a good guy 
okay, but not really. And no one else changed. And it's just, it, it felt weak. Kind of uh, yeah. Tacked, tacked I mean, on. yeah, I, I mean, I never regard, I uh, regard the eulogy. Uh, so uh, Ernest, I guess before we even get to yeah, that, we'll, Ernest we'll, makes we'll his. Rewind. We'll rewind our, mm. our thing a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ernest tries to escape. Uh, they put the the mansion on lockdown, which I like. Um, that feels like, um, given the way that this place looks, at least from the front, and the fact that there are like gated shutters, I'm like, oh man, mm. the, uh, house on haunted hill again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Ernest takes an elevator up. Uh, the elevator has step controls. I love that. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Uh, he is uh, chased by those uh, uh, her those Dobermans, uh, the magical Dobermans that open doors, um, and tries to really makes an effort to climb mm. a, across um, a a rain slicked roof um, to get to the exit on like a, a, a pear, pear pat. Uh, yeah. Um, um, uh, Helen and Madeline uh, come and startle him, so he uh, slides off of the roof, gets his suspenders stuck on a uh, storm drain uh, that then begins to dislodge. They they try using a flimsy silk-like scarf to, to mm. throw to him <laughs> as a lifeline, um, and that doesn't work. Um, and they're like, wait, you still have the potion, right? You should drink it. Just drink it. You'll survive the fall if you drink it. Come on, drink it. We need you. We <laughs> love you. Drink it. Come on. Just I do mean, it. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's such a bad argument, though. He's already been over the, like, the what if I get made. is like, yeah, cool. I'll drink the immortality potion, then fall ten stories. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, drink no, it they pull liter- yourself back together. They literally yeah. say, they literally say, yeah, what you, if you drink it, you can just put yourself back together. Oh, I don't <laughs> want to go through that. Like after being pancaked, <laughs> yeah, bad. you're not going to look too great. Mm. No. <laughs> um, and God, he thought his hands were unsteady before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, no, uh, eternity with these two is is a nightmare and he says uh, i i i can't my loves and drops it and then his suspenders snap and he falls through mm. the skylight into the pool uh with no damage <laughs> oh no he gets a cut he get, does get a yeah. cut on his arm um he gets a cut on his arm but that pool was like it's maybe it's maybe it's one that's like seven foot at the deep end it's not that's mm. not saving you from nothing. If it was like a 40-foot pool or something, you know, a big thing of water, he yeah. fell so far. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just pancaked on that water, too. Or like yeah. the bottom of just, just went up. right through and just bonk, and he's dead. Uh, uh, Jim Morrison asks him if he, he's going to be long. He he leaves immediately. <laughs> yeah, um, out of the whole party, we get Jim Morrison and, and uh, Elvis. That That's like it. Mm, out of any kind of faces yeah. that you might recognize. And then there's like an allusion to Greta Garbo. Uh, so yeah. so I there was uh it was Elvis it was Jim Morrison it was Andy Warhol um and yeah. um 
um, oh, geez, Marilyn Monroe uh, in the red dress, um, mm. the only blonde in the red dress. Uh, and then there was like one extra whose hair was done up in a way and was wearing a dress. And I'm like, is that supposed to be Madonna? But they were like, we can't <laughs> do Madonna. Like we can't, we can't show her mm. face or else she'll sue the hell out of us. So let's just imply Madonna because, uh, that's what I got from that. Um, but yeah, uh, Ernest steals the car and drives away. Uh, Lietzel <laughs> is like, you better find him. Um, and uh, they immediately go back to the house. And uh, surprise, he's not there because that would be crazy. Mm. That would literally be the first place that they would look. And he knows that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Madeline's like, I told you we should have checked the airport foot first. He's like, what are we going to do? And it's like, I know. Spend eternity painting each other's asses. <laughs> <laughs> hard cut to 30 37 years later um and this is where we get the eulogy where uh ernest got all of his personal growth and became a good person um it doesn't mm. mean anything as dave mentioned because we're told all of this um uh madeline and um uh, and helen are in the back in uh really fantastic morning outfits um, mm. and that just belie enough of their facial features to know, oh, no, things have gone very bad over <laughs> this uh, nearly half half century since then. Mm. Um, uh, they um, are looking at the at the program for the funeral and laughing. Uh, mm hmm. Uh, and eventually they just decide that they're going to leave until the priest is, uh, says, uh, Ernest discovered the secret of life. They stop in their tracks and it's some schmaltzy nonsense. And, uh, is there immortality just, through your children. And, yes. Mm, like that's yeah, also not mm. good, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, uh, Madeline's <laughs> like, blah, blah 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 um and they leave um they have bizarre and interesting new walks um yeah they, uh they uh uh are, are carry spray paint with them for touch-ups uh in their purse uh which uh madeline lost <laughs> a giant can of spray paint uh mm. <laughs> and uh, at the end, they reveal their faces. Uh, it is a horror show. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They look terrible. They are stuck with each other for eternity. Uh, and now they have gone back to hating one another. Uh, mm. uh, Madeline uh, steps off of one of the steps uh, and slips on, uh, trips on the uh, paint can that... Uh, our Helen uh, slips on the pig can, Madeline lost, uh, and we get uh, the final uh, iteration of the just on the edge of the stairs, uh, and Madeline thinks about, ah, man, just won't save you, uh, to which uh, <laughs> Helen simply grabs Madeline, uh, they topple down the stairs, and when they hit the bottom, they shatter like porcelain dolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
And yep. uh, the last line of the movie is both of their severed heads next to each other uh, with Helen asking, do you remember where you parked the car? <laughs> uh, Cameron, were you expecting this movie to end on that note? Um, Once the main premise of it, so once, once you know... Uh, Meryl Street went down the stairs and began reassembling herself. I was pretty sure it would end something similarly to this. <laughs> but um, from the offset, no. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, overall, I, I did quite enjoy it. It's definitely um, a bit more a product of its time in terms of some of the, some of the choices uh, in humour and characterization, but the, the effects are really good. The little bits of comedy, I really like a lot of them. Like, there's so many of the little scenes. I'm like, yeah, that's just a nice, fun little like classic joke. It doesn't doesn't necessarily break brand new ground with everything it does, but you know, it's good. <laughs> um, it is very once again, very definitely a '90s movie though. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Dave, I know that you your revisit of this film wasn't nearly as uh, pleasant as mine. Uh, so, uh, final thoughts? Yeah, I'm still pretty cold on the whole movie. I do like the implications. I like that this is a kind of realistic take on what longevity immortality like what that would give you and where that would put you because they they find those lessons very quickly versus a lot of mm. media taking a look at this idea this sort of they're i mean they're what would you can't class them into they're not a ghoul maybe a revenant because mm. they're dead yeah eventually yeah like you, you you'll just you'll you'll I mean, die just not of yeah. natural causes like if something yeah. is something's enough trauma to you that would kill a normal person that it does kill the body but right yes it, you can just keep functioning um unfortunately that's it's not a um you're not like rejuvenating like you're stuck right. you're stuck at a certain level and your body won't repair beyond so much damage it, mm. i don't know mm. what could they drink the serum again and like restore everything we're not given that like as an option and the the biggest issue is the film doesn't address that it shows this large soiree of you know famous people that um you know part of the uh, uh, agreement to taking the the potion is that you only have so many years before you have to just like fake your own death and and start over somewhere mm. like you can't to to hide it you can't just like i'm going to be in the limelight for the next 50 years uh, and still right. look like yeah. i'm at, at at my peak age um so it 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 has that built into it and you can see that uh yeah um elvis and you know these other other uh, figures uh, obviously, like, didn't hurt themselves in a visible way <laughs> somehow. Right. Like, they're much older than um, our, our, our two heroines. 
but they didn't like change their appearances. Like it's a weird, like you have to have someone in like some aspect of their iconic presence to, to get who it is. Like Jim Morrison's has hmm. his shirt using his little vest and he has the same hairstyle and you're like, okay, it's Jim Morrison. You can't mistake him, but it's been 30 years. You didn't change anything. It's, it's weird. Like it puts, mm. it puts everything in a time capsule. That's not just your body, but like your personality, like a, who you were like a snapshot. Mm. Um, and then it's, a, it's like a pol- mm. Polaroid snapshot that, um, still fades over time right yeah like is the feeling that that gives me so just those concessions to it is i think it's a it's a neat little twist and it's fun for a moment but then trying to look at like the ramifications of it long term is just it's horrifying i mean it's supposed to be Mm. so you're not meant you're not meant to envy like this condition you're meant to look right. at it oh yeah realistically um as as um bruce willis's character does like I, I, yeah. looking at it logically uh with um a, a look ahead at the future versus like this is the moment i like you i i only want to relive my glory days i only want i had one dream and that's all i could ever be and all i could ever have you're, you're it's it's you're selling everything too short but at mm. like at like the cost of everything, like what's you know, it's not just money or whatever the price was. It's it's your humanity. Like you've become yeah. like a mannequin. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. So I <laughs> I can appreciate that sentiment, and the movie like doesn't fall short in that regard. Uh, again, I I with nostalgia goggles i'm like oh yeah there was a lot of zany contortions and bodies horror and like it but there's not it, it's it's confined mm. to a small window within the movie because i think realistically if you if you made that more of what was going on it becomes too much mm-hmm. and then it does cross into like well you're either going to get bored of it uh or they're going to have to keep ramping it up and it's just going to get so elastic that it's you, you've stretched it too far, literally. Right. right. Um, so I guess they they did the best they could with this, and it and it. I don't know if I would say it's a cult classic, but it's it's something that generally I feel uh, is is favorably looked upon. Like mm. I I I'd have to mm. go look at Rotten Tomatoes. Just like I don't know what the the Metacritic uh consensus is on this one i felt it was largely positive i, I remember r- renting this out to be it's, it's always been a kind of mainstay uh i feel it's more niche now like i think it's a forgotten thing um yeah i definitely don't see any discourse on hey let's all have a watch party for death becomes her uh mm-hmm. but i think it's so couched in like late eighties, early nineties sensibilities that um, I felt like I didn't enjoy it because of that. Just, just with, with 
2020 eyes, you know, it, um, and that could have been just my experience because Cameron, you're younger and you're watching this for the mm. first time and you're not cold on it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of that is what I'm bringing to the table. And then just, I've seen so many movies uh, after why you do get jaded and you do pull like biases and other things into stuff, you know, we're, we're informed by all of the things that we consume. Uh, and mm. I think that whatever this, the trappings of this are, aren't fun enough for me to make this something that I would recommend or want to watch again like it was a one and done kind of like i mm. i don't see a need to revisit this and i don't think it's doing anything so novel that i'm going oh yeah um you have to see this you know to, for a one th i can't go hey you have to see this because of the the scene the scene in the hospital with the doctor like that's not enough of a recommend um but the the treatment that it's giving um the the upper crust in like Beverly Hills like that that zeitgeist uh is it's on point so it's it's hmm. sort of lampooning that part of society that part that needs to have plastic surgery that needs to do nips and tucks uh that uh um uh, there's a comment um, <coughs> when they have them the, the the gunshot goes off and and um helen is blasted with a hole through her and they're like you fired a gun the neighbors are gonna call the cops and it's like we live in beverly hills we haven't seen the neighbors in 20 or 12 years <laughs> like it, it's on point mm -hmm. like it's it yeah. knows what it's doing it's doing it it's not doing it poorly um, but that's all it's bringing to the table so like the characters that are archetypes the film itself feels like that where it's just there's not a there's a lot of fluff and no filler to me mm -hmm. um for this particular film but as a like proof of concept of what you could do with this uh live forever and you know you're immortal but at what cost i like that so they're good creatures because they're not people mm -hmm. <laughs> to yeah. me. Right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, that's where I sit on it. I, I like what it's showing, but I don't like the way it's told maybe. Mm. And that's completely fair. I, I mean, in my case, uh, I, I still I, I like, uh, because it's so big it's so broad because no because these these characters because because once again these characters aren't people uh and are are desperately presented as not people by the filmmakers uh it, it's it's it exists as like this hyper reality like yeah the, the, if a if a person fell down those stone steps in real life it would be a it would the injuries would probably be the same but it would also be a horrific bloody mess um it's it it it, it it's it is the it is the kind of escape that i crave from time to time 
because it's not realistic, uh, even in its portrayals uh, of of the violence. It, it's it's a it's it's a capsule of like this cartoon non reality, but with real flesh people, and um, hmm. I think that's the thing that makes it work for me because you know um black comedies are hard uh the ni- the late 90s specifically had a slew of i'm using big air quotes of black comedies uh that were like not good and not well received and not funny and you know your mileage may vary on what you find funny and mm. what what works for you and because that this is this is a uh, 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 like a slight a a a jab at the vanity of 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 the rich and those like in uh, Be- uh, Beverly Hills and how they squander their talents and they uh you know squander their lives being petty and cruel to one another for seemingly no reason uh, and there's no growth and why why would they they're they're immortal they're rich they don't have to be good people there doesn't have to be character development because they're in a position where they don't have to grow um it 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 hits for me in a way that I, I I still enjoy, um, you know, I, and I I I do take a look at these films through through the various Overton windows when when I think about them and and talk about them, and because it is not trying to be a real thing, it. it for me, it, it works, and but I do understand how um, it couldn't for for others. So it is going to be mm. a recommend for me, um, uh, uh, because like, but based on like that very very specific criteria, um, because mm. uh, you know, I, I I'd like to think that I'm not a piece of garbage, um, but I <laughs> I, I don't, uh, and you know, fiction. Uh, Fiction about bad people um, and, and and bad commentary. I think there's a place for it um, if you are uh, capable of distinguishing uh, what what you get out of it and what uh, it it's doing. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, a big roundabout way of saying yes, I still very much enjoy this movie. Um, I do understand that it is problematic, and uh, if you uh, are are okay with the themes and and the topics uh, uh, presented in it, then I would recommend it to you. And if you aren't, then I would say give it a pass. Um, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah, I um. This movie again. The at the end of the day, we're here to look at the monsters and you know where they came from, what they're doing. Uh, classifying these, it's it's harder uh, because they're they're a lot uh, the, the the undead, the zombies. You know what 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 is this? They didn't lose. Um, they didn't lose anything other than physical. Uh, capacity 
maybe. Like, they're, they're, they're mm -hmm. not mentally degrading. They're just garbage people to begin with. Uh, mm. But they're, they're physically falling apart, uh, which is the... So, it's the very thing that they were trying to stop in the first place was that... Um, that, that, you know, they're, they're, they're lamenting. And this starts, um, I, again, this hits differently as a 40-year-old than it did as an 11-year-old because their whole, the biggest conceit that these two women are showing in the beginning is I'm 50, I'm falling apart. And I was like, that's, as I got older, and we <laughs> I see this with um, some other uh, similar age friends, uh, they hit the... the they hit the 30 year mark because society's garbage and tells you that like after a certain point, you're just like not young and spry. But mm. um, I, I don't always find that to be the case depending on, you know, it's, it's personal factors. Your, it's your, your health is your own thing. So what you, what you put in is kind of what you get out. Um, but you're limited by what's available. And, you know, there's, there's other, we're not going to go down that road really. Uh, but, at 40 i don't feel like i'm falling apart or that i'm less capable or that like oh i i i remember my high school football days and that, that's where i want to live i need to get back to that and it's like i don't i understand i understand like that glory day mentality i get where it comes from but at the same time it's kind of down to you to make the best of what you've got. And it's not, uh, it's not just gone at some arbitrary age. Right. So hmm. see, seeing that, and then it just was really disappointing to see that they don't get like, they've had all this time. They, they, what they wanted was time. They wanted time and they wanted to be like ever forever young. Uh, they got both of those things, kind of, uh, but they're still just at the end of the day, just becoming decrepit because now they're more um, acrylic and shellac than anything else. Yes. Like when they when they mm. fall apart, you get a weird like they're not even human bodies anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you could deconstruct yeah. it and look at that and go, what, what, you know, what is a person is, is just, they may as well just be like a brain in a jar. Yes. Like, <laughs> and go, what's, the, what, you know, what is this body? Like, it, it, take a look at consciousness, take a look at those things and kind of like, that's the, the that's like the monstrous part is that they're given all of the stuff and they're just, squandering it but in a in a weird like it's 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 only hurting them kind of way mm -hmm. like they haven't really done anything that's overt to anybody else aside from their own like small circle of you know personal touches right they're not Which is just they're not earnest. like <laughs> yeah i mean they're not out there they don't need uh this isn't like uh Kronos, where they have to, you know, they become weird bug vampires and have to take something from the living or from society to sustain themselves, other than they have to, like, have some kind of support network to make sure they don't, like, look horrendous. And they just, right. 
mm. didn't develop that in 30 something <laughs> years it's that that part is to me is what's weird i understand that they're they're dead and it would be harder to find somebody to like but they're not broke you're right like they come from money yes so unless they totally blew it or that the doctor just took all of the money because they're dead and there's no way to like hey you know, we we had a lawyer and say I, you, the movie doesn't like dig into like the the realities of like what this situation would probably end up like. Yeah, uh, it's and so completely it, it's, it's yeah, that. it's not interested in that. It's it's just maintaining that whimsical dark humor. Um, but because of that, and because it's not, ex- like, I don't, I don't want full explanations on things like that's too much sometimes but this didn't give enough so mm. i think the thing that like bothers me is we don't have enough of like where this came from why i, I just have more questions than answers at the end of the day um but i do think that what it's positing and then kind of extrapolating on like their lives and and what that means is more fun than the actual movie mm-hmm. mm. like the, 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 you can prompt more discussion of this than just sitting and watching it like as a popcorn flick like i think it it, it gives room for that because it doesn't um answer a lot of things mm, so yeah you, you know you have your head cannons landed. You have that that gives space for that, and that's usually pretty welcome. But I think that the, in this case, it made it less enjoyable for me to to watch it. But right, it's funner to talk about it because it gives room for you can endlessly extrapolate from whatever's going on here. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, that um, the long and short of it is it's. For me, um, I like the monster in it, but the monster is something you get to kind of pick because yeah. Yeah. everything is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, agreed. And, uh, you know, I'm actually really happy that this uh, this one sparked as much discussion as it did. Not that we're typically light on it, but uh, I, you know, I wasn't expecting it when... Uh, when I certainly wasn't expecting it when I when I made the suggestion to to rewatch it, so I mean, you know, uh, I th- I'd say if if any part of this sounds interesting, um, uh, of this film sounds interesting, maybe you know, give it like the first fifteen minutes and see if it's the kind of thing because you'll know from the start that's pretty much how long you need to to give it before you're like you should decide to tap out or stick with it the, the um, characters don't change so what you're given in the beginning is how it basically the, the tone is delivered right. there um aside from like the weird hijinks that come on uh, what i will say is it came out around the same time um but what aged fantastically uh, surprisingly uh, is the uh, dick tracy movie Oh yes, I do actually really want to revisit the Dick. I've been thinking about the. I've also been thinking about the Dick Tracy movie. Yeah, um, that, I watched that last year. Um, that's that's not fodder for this podcast, but as just a yeah. recommend. And if you enjoy like 
uh, maybe the Michael Keaton Batman because because it's it's, it's dark, uh, but it's colorful. It's a weird yeah. juxtaposition, it's, but it's it's very comic book in a way that the last twenty years of comic book movies aren't. Right. Mm. Like yeah. it, it's fun. Like it, <laughs> maybe that's what it still is fun. Yes, mm. and and heavily stylized in a way that only like like. It's, there's not I there's no shades of gray it's not grim dark it's uh right. good guys are good guys bad mm. guys are bad guys and that's just uh, and how it is. and also the bad guys are all real gross freaks um like because yeah, but they're fun because, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah definitely uh because i still have uh memories of really enjoying that including uh, uh al pacino as big boy malone his uh, that his doing, is, he's just Chewing the scenery every time he's on screen is a joy. When when he does the the dance routine uh, for Madonna, like the, no, this is how your dance your routine supposed to go um, is is still killer. Uh, so so much killer that I, I remember it decades after having watched that movie last. Um, so yes, uh, definitely uh, Dick Tracy is a recommend for us. Um, and I think with that. We will uh, pull this, the curtain on, draw the curtain on this episode uh, after we do a bit of admin. Uh, so let's start with our little roundtable. Cameron, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, you can primarily find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of time to myself uh, for the next week or two, uh, so swing on by and have a chat uh, while we talk about such interesting things as my cat and uh, the Matrix Awakenings tech demo. That was pretty cool. There's lots of good things to talk about. And Dave, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus, where there's also the podcast, mon underscore d monster. And if for any back episodes, uh, monsterdeer.monster is where we're at. And as for me, you can find me mostly on Twitter at uh, Dr. Faust is dead. You can find my uh, uh, burgeoning film work uh, uh uh, on YouTube uh, under Umbranox Productions. Uh, you can find my video game video essay work at Dr. Faust is Dead. And you can find my business, uh, film business account uh, on Twitter under Umbranox Productions. It is exhausting uh, having one Twitter account, let alone uh, two, uh, and that goes double for managing to um youtube channels i i am I'm, I'm doing my best to try to split my time up between them i i know i haven't been as active on my business twitter as i probably should be but uh you should swing uh by to at umbranox productions and uh get, watch the uh, first little bit of uh introductory world building to something that i hope uh becomes a a running uh uh series uh for for that channel um and i think with that we are going to call it uh from everyone here uh 
at Monster Dare Monster. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.